Good morning, one and all. It is a Monday morning here. I'm drinking my amazing dark rich coffee, getting ready for another beautiful week and a beautiful day. Today's episode is with, I am, I'm feeling incredibly blessed to be able to say that today's episode is with Matt Kahn. And he's the author of the best-selling book, Whatever Arises, Love That. He is a spiritual teacher and highly attuned empathic healer who has become a YouTube sensation with his healing and often humorous videos. His 10 million true divine nature YouTube channel viewers are finding the support they seek to feel more loved, awakened, and open to the greatest possibilities in life through the invitation to join the love revolution that begins within you. As you will hear on this podcast, I just heard Matt speak live here in Boulder. He, um, wow, I, I'd, I've never seen a crowd get so, so, so overwhelmingly passionate and excited the minute a speaker walked into the room. Like he just lit up everyone in the room. And if you want to hear someone else's perspective on Matt, I do encourage you to go back a few episodes to Chloe Elger. I had her on. I will include a link to that in the show notes to this episode because Chloe speaks about her experience seeing Matt speak. But the coolest thing about all of this is you're about to have your own experience, which is so exciting because Matt truly is a gifted healer, leader, speaker. And after this, like, I'm just so excited to have him on that I'm probably going to spend the rest of the day watching his YouTube videos because he has so much beautiful wisdom to share with all of us. Wisdom in a way you have not heard it before. I think that's one of the key parts. We hear a lot of information and and motivational talks on self-love and um feeling your connection with the divine but matt uses a very different kind of language that's both both relatable but also it will light up something like a light bulb in a way that hasn't before he'll make a connection in a new way in your brain pathways so get ready for that all i want to say in regards to Today's show sponsors is a warm shout out to Audible for providing everyone who is new to Audible a 30-day free trial and a free book if you go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. And if you want to look into coaching and you want to pursue deeper connection with yourself or a deeper connection with a business idea you are building or a deeper connection with love, if something in your life you want to see, improve, change, evolve, your self-love, your growth, your business, your relationships, your perfectionism, your your divine feminine or divine masculine, your ability to set boundaries, go to maddiemoon.com slash coaching, read the testimonials there. You will get tons of insight and information on the types of people I work with, which is all across the board. And on that page, there's also an application you can fill out that I will receive and read through thoroughly and get back to you on. So I look forward to hearing from some of you there. I have got two spots opening up for my coaching here in August. So if you're interested, now is the time to reach out. I am so excited about this interview. I say, let's go ahead on over. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. 
If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hello, hello, Mr. Matt Kahn. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. I received your book um, not too long ago. And at first, I have no idea how I, I wasn't already absolutely intertwined with your work because <laughs> it speaks to my soul. You speak to my soul much, so much, and you are like, so I had a, a guest on recently who also saw you live. Her name is Chloe. And she um, didn't even know that I received your book. And she was like, I'm all about this guy. His name's Matt Kahn. He's like, he's got this, this force. The minute he walks into a room, everyone just, the entire room feels the presence of his energy. And she was just speaking your praises so much, getting me so pumped to see you live in Boulder. And it's so true. So I just feel absolutely honored and blessed to have you here on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's, you know, it's hearing what you're saying is just truly such a, a surreal experience. I mean, I have, you know, I'm someone who has a natural born gift to transmit healing energy through my presence and the sound of my voice. And what's amazing is when you can feel an energy within yourself and you can feel an energy flowing through you. And then the other people around you can feel the same experience. It's, it's almost like looking up at the sky and we see a comet streak across the, you know, the stars and we all captured that same moment together. And, you know, we, we revel in the mystery of God. I, we all saw that together. So even though I am the space where this energy flows, each and every time I do it, it's literally like the first time. And it's just the surreal experience that I, I get to witness from the first-person point of view, the miracles of, of divinity unfolding for the well-being of all. Mm, God, yeah. And it's interesting, like, before this interview, I was, um, I am pretty nervous to speak to you because you are, <laughs> like, I, I, you, I just saw you live and I just saw you host this incredible event and I was, yeah. I was there and I was watching you and now here I get to be speaking with you and immediately when you hopped on, I feel so much calmer. <laughs> and Aww. it was, I was, I'm not someone who normally gets nervous when I get on interviews just because I've been doing this for a while. And, um, I definitely felt that way, but yeah, I feel so calm now that I'm here with you. It's a really remarkable gift. I love that. Well, you know, the energy itself really, it, the energy does a lot of things. The energy rewrites the subconscious mind. It resets the nervous system. It helps activate new DNA and, uh, integrate and dissolve old DNA. So the energy itself, and I think this is really uh, through this gift, we're, we're kind of coming into new paradigm healing modalities where 
in the old way, we were all trying to be in charge of spinning our chakras and clearing out the subconscious mind and activating this. And in this day and age, we now just come into the presence of this healing force and through the power of love and by opening our heart, we just allow the energy and the light and the consciousness to enter us and do for us what can be done so much more magically and miraculously. So in the old days, we were micromanaging all levels of our energy field and there was endless busy work and lots of disappointment and frustration. In the new paradigm, we, our readiness and our receptivity and our excitement to step forward in consciousness causes us to open up and to allow the energy that is coming forward to simply be received and to do it all on our behalf. Mm. Yes. Oh, my gosh, how true this is. So one of the first things that I want to start off this interview with is some insight into your story. Specifically, mm. I want to hear um, I want to hear about your one of the things you spoke about in, in Boulder was as a child seeing things, mm-hmm. creepy crawly things. And <laughs> yeah. I, want to, I want my audience to hear a little bit about that, um, what it was like being such an empathic child and, and how you, if you ever didn't feel like you were speaking, um, speaking your truth and your voice and stepping into this leadership role, how that evolved, or if mm-hmm. you always were that way, please share the story. Sure. So when I was younger, I was always really wide open to other dimensions and to energy. And I was I was one of those kids that was really psychically open. And no matter how much terror I felt by perceiving things I couldn't understand, I never shut down my abilities. So there are many nights where I would see the vibrational particles of energy and I would see the waves and the energy coming towards me. And if you imagine just kind of like when you see a TV that doesn't have a signal and it's all snowy. So my consciousness was opening up to that vibrational field of energy. So I start to see this hazy, snowy energy. And then within that, I'm seeing this wave, this this energy wave come through. And so in my childlike perception, it looked like little bugs coming towards me. So I, I felt like bugs were trying to attack me because I was seeing otherworldly phenomenon, but I didn't know what it was. So there would be many nights where I'd cry myself to sleep because I thought like bugs were trying to get me or I was afraid that aliens would abduct me. And, you know, I just, I went through this really, really hard time of being very psychically open, but of course in a child's innocent and immature mindset. So I wasn't mature enough to really understand what was happening. So I was always perceiving it like an invasion And as far as like my leadership role and who I am in the love revolution and, you know, leading this new paradigm of spiritual uh, evolution, even though I've, you know, had very big experiences since I was eight and then they started to really ramp up when I was 18 and to, to, to present moment time. One thing that's always been interesting about me is I've always had a very interesting level of confidence. And I remember as a kid, people would say to me like, how are you so certain or why, why are you so confident? And I remember when I was a kid that that confidence would sometimes rub people who were self-doubtful of themselves the wrong way because I was always just very sure of myself. I didn't always have the most accurate information, but when I was a kid, for some reason, you know, you lead with confidence versus accuracy, which is a very funny quality to have. So I would say something like I would say an answer to a question with so much confidence that literally my teacher would step back and go, is that the answer? 
So it was just a very funny quality of I've always been very, very confident. And I think that that confidence, obviously, it's not a coming from an arrogant place. My confidence is because I've, I, it's coming from being so driven. I've always been driven to be who I'm supposed to be, to become who I was born to become. And I've always had this feeling of like, I'm just here to be a part of something rather big. And I'm here to do something that is effective for the entire world. And so I've always had this drive inside of me. And I believe that's where my confidence comes from is my drive and desire to simply express all of myself into this world. Mm. And that's such a, that's such a, um, a powerful quality to be aware of, especially as a child. And I'm yeah. curious how your family was around this. Were they very supportive of your gift and seeing this within you? Or did they dismiss it like it was just, oh, it's just, you know, it's just this little confident thing that he has and it'll go away? <laughs> you know, in my family, and I have an older sister, and by the time I came around, she was in high school, so I, or middle school, high school, because I, I you know, my, I was basically, I have, a, I have a sister, but I was raised like a single child. And I was always, and this is just my experience and, and how my parents perceived me, like I was always idolized by my parents. Like I was, I was, and this is just how my parents treated me, like I was treated like royalty. And it was, the, and at the same time, here's what's interesting about that. So I remember my parents would tell me, Matthew, you're just special. You're very special and people, that's okay. You're just special. And they would tell me that and they would piss me off so bad because I would think, I don't want to be special. Whatever I've got going on, everyone has. And so my parents would totally put me up on a pedestal and it would agitate the crap out of me. And um, God, it's, just, it's, just, it's just so interesting. Both my parents had a background in spirituality. I was raised in a Jewish household, but my parents both have had experiences with different forms of mysticism. And so as soon as I started talking about my abilities and my experiences, in fact, I told my dad about the out-of-body experience I had when I was eight. And it turned out that he had almost the same experience, detail for detail, 40 years before I did. So my parents were always very much open to my gifts. They were very much open to anything paranormal. So it was a very easy conversation. And as a kid, I couldn't really stand the energy of other kids. It was too wild. So I just wanted to spend time with adults. So, you know, my parents were very supportive. They, on some level, understood my experiences, not totally, but they resonated and it was familiar to them. And what's interesting is that I grew up in a house where I was fully supported with my abilities. My parents actually had experiences where they could resonate with it. And yet I went through the same amount of loneliness and isolation as other kids who have these gifts who weren't supported by their family. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of ironic to realize that if you grew up in a family where you are totally supported and your family's like, I believe in your abilities, it's real, or you grew up in a family that dismissed it, either way, you're still going to go through the same amount of isolation and loneliness because the loneliness is what's happening when your consciousness opens up, but it's opening up in a, in a maturity, in a mental level of maturity that doesn't understand. So it's like your consciousness wakes up and you're becoming super aware, but your personality is still in a state of childhood or immaturity. So your consciousness is just turning on itself and just like you're living under a spotlight, feeling very seen, 
very transparent and very isolated and very alone. So the alone is not because of other family members not supporting us. The alone is because our consciousness is just turned on ourselves and we don't know what to do with it. Oh my God, I just got goosebumps. What a shift. Oh God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> this, is a, this is a great segue into um, the topic of fear. I wanna, mm. I wanna hear your perspective on us as humans being afraid and, and fearing the darkness and that um, radical reframe that you share around fear really being afraid of us, why is that the case? So what we feel in our bodies is like when I was a kid, uh, I would feel other people's emotions and I would mistake it as their perception of me. So I'd feel anger in someone's heart that was from their family structure. And I would think, why are they angry with me? So I began to realize that what I'm feeling in my body is actually the identification with other people's experiences. And then as, and, and of course I didn't ask myself this question when I was a child, but as I got older, I started to really take this idea of empathing uh, into a deep level of exploration. And I thought, what if the feel, what if all the feelings I've ever had in my entire life is just literally just the reverberation of other people's feelings? And what if I'm just the eternal witness of the soul I'm in the body and all the feelings I'm having are just experiencing myself and other people. And so when I came up with that radical idea of empathing, I started to think about fear and I thought, well, fear is not a product of the light, it's a product of the darkness. Uh, of course, darkness is the light in its most unrealized form, just like a child is an adult that is yet to go through its maturity and self-actualization phase. So darkness is the light, but it doesn't know it's the light. And we as light beings have come to this planet to not dispel the darkness as an enemy or in like a war. We've come to actually rescue the darkness as the light that has not become aware of itself and to return it to the wholeness of its self-realized form as light. So we are the light rescuing the darkness. So if fear is a byproduct of darkness and not of the light, that means as light beings, the fear we feel is not our fear towards the darkness, but darkness's fear towards the light, that the darkness wants relief, but it's so afraid of dying, it's afraid to enter the light, just like someone on their deathbed, who's going from unconscious to the unknown. And so we are light beings. We are the light that transforms everything into its highest potential. And when we are feeling fear, we are not feeling our fear of the unknown. We are feeling darkness's threat from our light. Because in order for darkness to enter the light, it has to let go of everything it knows and has. And so it's not our surrendering our fear as if we are afraid. It's we are the light that is helping the darkness to surrender its fear and to fully surrender into the light of divine perfection. And what a big job this is for yeah. empaths to do. Mm -hmm. um, another thing you were talking about is, is moving from the question, why am I afraid, to is this fear mine? Right. Because when we're feeling this fear, um, it's, it's, I'm thinking back to when I was there watching you and I was going through this. It was so weird. Like I've never had 
I don't know what was happening because I'm sure there was so many very empathic, spiritual, energy-rich people that gather at your events. And the minute I went in, something went on within me. I, I was already going through some sort of experience. Like I, um, like the the logistics of it. I had a, I had booked a trip, and it was it was going to be a couple thousand dollars this trip. And for some reason, when I was going into your event to come watch you talk, I was like, I don't want to do this trip anymore. I don't want to do this trip. I don't want to do this trip. And you have 24 hours to cancel this trip and this flight. And so I, I didn't even look at the time to see if it was over 24 hours or under. And I just went into my email like before the event. And I was like, I'm just going to click cancel. And hopefully the refund will go through and everything. And then right before you came out, I checked. And I, it was the 25th hour. It was not within 24 hours. It's the 25th hour. And I went into full on panic. Like I almost had a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, why did I just do that? I should have just <laughs> had this trip. And I might have just like spent two grand and it's all going to go to waste. And they're not going to give me a refund because it's American Airlines and they're stupid. And I was just feeling so full of so much energy. And the fear felt definitely mine, right? Like this, this, it feels kind of like realistic to have this fear be mine. Um, mm -hmm. But it was such an experience to first hear you talking just about fear and the darkness and the light. And then one of the other things you had said was, uh, oh, I love this. You said, it's easier to let go of something when we realize it's already happened and there's really nothing to let go of. Right. So I, in that moment, had this really big shift happen where you know, it would suck. I, I got the refund, by the way, everything worked okay. out, of but <laughs> of course I did, but I had let go of it in that, in that, and I, I wanted to be fully present and listening. And, and that thing you said about, it's easier to let go of something when you realize it's already happened. I, in that moment, just had this radical shift of like, I'm still alive. If I lost a couple thousand dollars and had this all be a, a big mistake and, um, didn't end up going on this trip. Like, what can I do right now in this moment? What can I do at all about this? If I can't change it, I can let go of it. That's really all I can do because what's happened right. has happened. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And it was just, um, it was a really, I mean, I started talking about one thing and I went over to another thing, but what I wanted to go back to was the, why am I afraid? And knowing if this fear is, is, um, is my fear or if it's the fear of the collective and of the, I think, what did you say? The, the unconscious knowing that this fear is from, from the world that we're clearing out. So can yes. you explain a little bit more about this? Absolutely. And in a human ego structure, and again, I don't speak of ego disrespectfully. It's a, the ego is the soul in its most dormant stave, stage of incubation. So in the same way that we would never judge a child for what they have to go through to become the adult they're meant to be, you know, we would never do that as heart-centered beings. So in the same way, we don't disrespect the ego because the ego, just like the darkness, plays a very large role in the awakening of light and consciousness on this planet, individually and collectively. But what's interesting to notice is that when we are in an ego structure, when we are unconscious, because as you wake up, the ego becomes integrated. It's not like you don't have an ego, because if you didn't have an ego, you would literally walk out the front door in a snowstorm completely naked. So <laughs> if you, people think no ego and they don't realize how crazy that would be. Mm -hmm. Like when people go through psychotic breaks, 
it's because there's a split in the ego structure. So it's not no ego, it's how integrated is your ego, mm. which is a very new paradigm way of looking at it. Um, how much has your ego surrendered to being a servant of the light and not be the micromanager of itself? You know, things oh, like that. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that, like, isn't that like, a little bombshell I just dropped? Yeah, that was really good. That was amazing. I'm going to remember this. But in, in context of this, there's a program that exists in the subconscious mind when, our, when the density of ego is rather unconscious. And, and what happens is, is that, so you are a light being. Your energy field is already and always clearing and activating dormant codes in other beings around you, meaning we, we, we cross paths. And whatever needs to be worked out between us is worked out. Whatever needs to be activated is activated. We're, we're always in a file-swapping situation. But if you have a really, really dense ego, what happens is because the negative feelings you're feeling in your body is what your energy field is clearing out of someone else or clearing out of a location. And the positive emotions you feel is the dormant codes of greater consciousness that you're activating in a location or activating in other people. So when we have a really dense ego, we have this really weird subconscious program that says, whatever I feel, I'm going to then look for things in my environment to match it to my experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, the minute you're sitting in the room and you're going to cancel this trip and there's the fear of, oh, am I going to get my $2,000 back? That was just a program in your subconscious mind's way to try to personalize and find individual relevance for the fear that was coming up in the room that you were in as you were working with other light workers to clear the fear out of people that were present. Mm. So it was never your fear, but there's a tendency to say, if I experience it, I need to make it more familiar so I can understand it. And we always on a subconscious level tend to make it about ourselves. So when we start to step out of this type of matrix, it is our experience of fear. But what if we can say, yes, I'm experiencing fear and I acknowledge that the fear that I'm experiencing is what I'm clearing out of individuals or out of the collective and it is the universe reminding me of what incredible of a light worker that I am. And just by kind of stepping into that perspective, we're actually now seeing something debilitating like fear from a powerful perspective. Instead of trying to find the solution to fear when the reason why people can't reconcile fear is because they're trying to solve something they think is theirs that isn't theirs to begin with. Mm, yes, yes. And speaking of like family members, yeah, a lot of us have, <laughs> <laughs> have family members that might not be on this exact same path that we're on, right? <laughs> um, even hearing light workers might piss off some family members or hearing mother nature might piss off some family members. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm projecting probably right now because that's my experience. I have family members that right. um, very much are not of that lingo of that language and real, true, authentic love mm -hmm. is not the pillar. It's a different, right. it's a, it's a different kind of love of like love can only look this way. If it looks any other way, then it's bad. Right. And that has been extremely challenging for me to be around. And I feel the walls like of defensiveness bubbling up when I go to family vacations or mm -hmm. uh, reunions. And um, I want to 
I, I feel like mad because I feel like my true self is being repressed. Like I can't come out and talk about my beliefs or I can't come out and love, damn it. Like I want to love in the way I want to love. And I make it right. so, I get so defensive and I, I turn into an angry person. Like just to be blunt and honest, like I feel yeah. that I become so frustrated that I just can't be who I want to be that I get really angry about it. Mm-hmm. So, and what, yeah. what if I were to tell you that that sentence of I'm angry that I can't be who I want to be is your experience of what you're clearing out of your family's history. Mm. Yeah. The reason they're so shut down, the reason you can't say light worker or nature is because they are still caught up in past experiences where someone or something shut them down. And the end result experience that you have with family is either the belief or the emotional patterns that you're clearing out of them. So you're left going, I can't love the way I want to love. I can't be who I want to be. And I'm angry about that. But what you're actually acting out is what you're clearing out of them, whether they know it or not. Mm. So that's the interesting empathic tailspin is we think that we're being true to our experience, but we're just becoming whatever version of the character is reflecting the thing we're healing in other people. And of course, on a very human level, you want to be able to have conversations with your family, but just to take it even deeper, what if you were to see something really, really, really radical about this, which is, yes, on us, on one level, you are a light worker. They are your family and you're healing lineages of repression that prevents them from fully shining their light. And of course, recognizing yours, because when people don't honor your light, it's because they don't, they're not aware of their own light, of mm -hmm. course. But what if we could see it as this is actually part of your spiritual ninja training that the universe, the consciousness of God is dressed up as these crazy family characters. And the reason why they don't want to listen to you talk about your beliefs and ideas is because it's actually giving you a chance to embody what you believe instead of to just keep it in like a conceptual expression. Whereas when we are who we are truly integrated, even around someone who says, oh, don't talk about light work or all that spiritual nonsense, we don't have to speak about consciousness. We just have to speak as consciousness. And when I had this huge shift in my family, you know, I'd go to family functions. I was the weird spiritual guy. And, you know, I'd start talking. People say, what do you do? And I'd start talking about my healing work. And their eyes would roll in the back of their heads. And, you know, I wasn't trying to lead with it. But they asked, and then they didn't want to hear it. And what I realized was I'm going to spend time being completely excited and interested in whatever they're interested in. And then if they talk about something that I don't necessarily resonate with, I'm just going to focus on appreciating their passion towards a subject matter and not get into what makes us different. Mm. And, I, and, and I would go to family functions with the sole purpose of I'm going to be the best supporter to these people where they're at in their journey. And what I feel in my body is not my experience of them, but what I'm actually clearing out of their experience just by them being in the presence of my light. And anything they do to disrespect me, to push away from me, to ignore me, to chide me, to, to, to come off with a flippant, arrogant statement, or to dismiss me, was not dismissing me the character. It was showing me how often they dismiss and deny the light I represent. So it's really about walking the talk of this consciousness rather than yes. necessarily talking about it. Like, this is who I am. This is who I am, what I believe. And listen to me, damn it. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to show you and give you the experience of me accepting you exactly how you are yeah. and not 
judging you or trying to make you fit into the mold of what I want you to be, to appreciate me for who I am. And- Absolutely. And, and just to add another little layer to this, you know, when people don't want to hear us, what they're really saying is, I have not been heard or recognized enough in my life to have any room for you to shine because I am the one begging for attention. Mm-hmm. So when people don't want to hear us, it's not because they don't love us. It's not because we don't matter. When people can't go there, they're basically saying, I am begging life mm-hmm. for some validation f- I'm begging life to throw me a bone and I have literally nothing for myself and as a result have even less for you. So when you're around people who can't give you what you need, it's because they are so waiting for recognition. They're deficient of recognition and they have not learned how to give that to themselves or they have been taught that recognition only matters if it comes from an outside source. So there's so many ways in which all of this is really helping us watch the evolution of the human journey. And the purpose of our journey is to be so whole within ourselves that we can act as light workers that heal people in our families, where we can be in the presence of other people that are in healing crises that may not even know it. And we can actually find an authentic way to enjoy our experience of them and to tolerate whatever shape and form they show up in, but not necessarily need or require them to give us what they may not even know how to give themselves. Yes, and have having compassion for people because one of the things you had uh, you had mentioned was that when people get really defensive and, and mm-hmm. upset, like what you're talking about now is they want to be heard. It's like the little mm-hmm. kid that's like pulling on your dress saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Like they're waiting right. for someone to acknowledge them, but also they start to feel the unraveling of their programming. It freaks them out because when oh, you absolutely. are when you are showing up as love and, and let's say that you say something like mother nature, mother earth to a whole bunch of conservatives, you feel like mo- earth should never be a mother <laughs> or should never have that kind of spiritual energy, they might freak out because that's unraveling and threatening this program that they've identified by for their whole life. And so we can have right. compassion for that because mm-hmm. we've experienced that as well. I know what that feels like to have something unravel and and um man for like I'm I'm 26 and I feel like for the first 23 years of my life I had the exact same reaction mm-hmm. to for example, customer service, like my dad, my, uh, my father is very reactive to customer service. Like the minute mm-hmm. a customer service person is in front of him, he just like turns into like this angry person, <laughs> like <laughs> just kind of always had like something about it really triggers him because I'm sure he's had a lot of experiences where customer service has gone really wrong and they don't listen to him and he's wanted to get his point across. So he uses a loud voice or anger or whatever it is. And <laughs> I, I associated customer service with doing it wrong, get angry, show them who's boss. And Ooh. I would, I seriously, every time I got on the phone with anyone, I immediately had an attitude, didn't even give them a chance, just had an attitude. And I thought that's the way that we handle customer service people. We just do that until I would say in the last couple years of my life, I finally started to be like, wait a minute, I'm differentiating. Is this mine or is this theirs? Is this his or is it mine? And I've started to use love. Like it's such a simple thing, like be kind. But it was was like customer service was one of the only things in my life I didn't really 
question. I was like, no, you just, you just act a certain way. I'm kind. I'm a light worker. I, I want to be em, em, empathic, but, but customer service is different, right? Like it's totally different. Like we don't have to have that kind of stuff when we go into customer service. So that was my way of thinking until I really, 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 really started questioning it and being like, wait a minute, this is just what I was taught since I was a baby, but that doesn't mean that this is the path for me. This, this is just my, my dad's programming and how he learned to do things. And I feel so like, it's so incredible how easily that could have never been something I questioned because I was born believing in that way. So when we, when, when I, when I now am around my family, I think of that example of like, I am, I'm fortunate and blessed to have come to a time where I questioned that. I could have very easily not questioned that because it was instilled in me and it was just built in that belief. And that is really what happened to him. That belief was built into him and he just didn't take the time to um, slow down around that and, and question if that's really what his heart is desiring is to connect with people mm-hmm. in that way on, on customer service. And right. I can show him by just being me, simply being mm-hmm. me in that new way I've grown and maybe he will learn as well. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing about customer service because I think what the shift is, is that the word customer service or sales clerk or sales associate or, you know, the people that answer the phone lines when you call or with a question about a product or a service you know, the, the, the label of customer service, not that term, but just, just that idea, creates a certain amount of anonymity. And when there's a certain amount of anonymity, what happens in, in our subconscious mind is we say, I know I'm an individual, but I'm going to make them this generic title. And so what happens is we're aware of our needs and we're trying to do whatever we can do to get them to give us what we want. But the minute we remember that the person I'm talking to that's playing the role of customer service is someone's beloved, is someone's mother, is someone's father, has come through a life just like I have and is probably healed um, and, and is destined to heal just as much as I'm here to heal. And when we remember that any customer service agent, whether they're having a good day or a bad day, or just as someone who's reading from a script, living in a third world country Mm. trying to feed their family right like someone who's just trying to feed their family living in a country like india who tells you his name is josh Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean And, and, and at that moment we are both individuals and what i do when i talk to customer service is i'm always on their side and if I'm always on their side, they're always on my side. I understand there's only so much they can do. I'm going to go through a process. If I'm not satisfied, I go to the next person above them. It's not a big deal. But I want to be on their side. And what I always find energetically interesting is, and I do this when I'm at a family function. I do this when I'm in public at a store. I do this when I'm at a restaurant or when I'm serving people. I'm always on everyone's side. And I naturally live in a vibrational reality where everyone's always on my side. And so I think if we remember, and again, for your father, I'm sure part of it is your father is just so revved up in this doing, doing, doing masculine mode that the reason your father gets triggered by people is because sales clerks or customer service people is an experience 
that requires time. And the minute an ego structure bumps up against time, it's like a red light that lasts too long. And the person in the car is saying, go, go, green light. I can't just sit here because to an ego, to sit longer than half a second means the ego structure is starting to unravel. So in their mind, it's go or I'm going to die. So your father projecting <laughs> anger at the customer service is basically saying, you hurry up and do what I need you to do because if this takes longer than three seconds, I'm going to start waking up in consciousness. And because I identify with unconsciousness, that's not going to go down on my watch. So I'm going to make this about you. You now have two minutes to give me what I want, and I'm going to bully your ass around until I get what I want. So that's basically what happens is people get agitated because they don't have time. The only thing that doesn't have time is the ego, and of course it is our awakening soul that is rooted in the timeless perspective. And in the timeless perspective, there's always time for relationship building and from that level of consciousness, we're never late and we're never without. Wow. I, I resonated with that so much. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like, yeah, my, that totally makes sense with my dad. And that totally makes sense with me and the parts okay. of me that are, I don't have time. I don't have time to wait. You are taking my time. <laughs> you, you are taking it away from me. Uh, I'm, this is too much stillness. And I, I would say that's why I've... That's why I've been able to slow down more with right. customer service is because I've been living at a slower pace and I've been allowing those cracks in my time. Like I've been allowing myself to slow down and feel more and I'm not always trying to fill my time with busyness and I'm being mm -hmm. more. And it's now that I think about it, there's the correlation between my awakening with allowing people to take their time to help me mm -hmm. and, and being okay with it. And, and um and being in more stillness so that was i love how you can get all metaphysical and talk about these woo woo things but then you can get very literal and you're like let's talk about customer service and how I, that works I, I love it and you know, just as a funny joke you know what the very first meditation is for uh, for most egos <laughs> the first meditation is not going to retreat and sitting on a cushion the first meditation is ma'am sir please go sit down over there and fill out this paperwork that's the first meditation oh my gosh and it's so true Oh, I love it. It's so they true. Go, oh my God, I got to fill out. Oh, I got to fill out two forms. Oh my God. Oh, and then God forbid. Oh my God, they're front and back. I got to, <laughs> oh, what's my social security number? Who's my emergency <laughs> contact? Oh my God, this is so overwhelming to me. I and mean, that's, that's where most people live. They literally live in a place where if you are trying to download something, and it's going to take longer than three seconds or the Wi-Fi isn't working. Oh, my God, I got to get up and I got to ask them for the password to the Wi-Fi. It's like it takes very little to agitate most ego structures because and – here's, and here's another bombshell about this. An ego structure is someone who consumes their time with the things that don't matter most to their soul's evolution. And if your time is consumed by things that are not – evolving your soul then you don't know how to give time to the things that matter most so it's easy to feel like i don't have time for this because the things people don't have time for are the very processes of slowing us down and really grounding our energy field into the earth 
I mean, before people slow down, they're not even grounded into the earth plane. They're not even in their bodies fully. So they're fighting to stay ungrounded because they think that's their natural state. It's the natural state of their conditioning. But the natural state of our soul is a different vibration of stillness and presence. And prior to tapping into that revelation, people are fighting it. And all life can do is dress up as a world of process and put people through the very process that's interrupting their conditioning to slow people down, to instigate surrender, and to ground people into the earth plane. And once they're finally grounded into the earth plane, that's actually when a spiritual journey has only begun. Mm, yes. One of the... Um one of the last things that I really wanted to ask you, I mean, there's, I just have so many questions that I want to dive into, but I did, I love the way that you, you share about allowing these experiences. There's the shift of why is this happening to me and going over to thank you universe for giving me the opportunity to clear, to mm. clear this pain in the, in the, in the world. Thank you. And going from, ah, why 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 to thank mm -hmm. you I clear this thank you thank you and I have been doing that recently and um this is all well and good until abuse yeah. until abuse pops up and you you are very clear about this and so I just wanted to ask you to share a little bit about that because there was a I was watching your watching your oh I loved it I did want to tell you this I loved your um your YouTube video on the soul contracts and twin flame <laughs> yes so good I I never sit still and watch an hour and a half on YouTube but I was so captivated by that I was <laughs> I, I learned so much from that video I will make sure I have the link to that video on the show notes to this episode but one thing you were you were saying is that when abuse pops up this is not an opportunity to sit with it and say oh well let's see what we can do here Right. So share a little bit about that. Well, you know, we are often brought together through soul contracts to help uplift, up-level, and to heal each other. But somewhere along the lines, we got this really interesting spiritual fantasy that says that if someone's abusing me or neglecting me, that I'm just going to hold space for their healing and stay in this relationship, and I'm going to accept what is, and really, you know, help be the enabler to someone else's abusive tendencies from the eyes of the universe the minute there is any form of abuse or disrespect that's a confirmation that the soul contract is complete and of course you know as we're in relationship with our beloveds obviously someone might have a bad day and get angry and you know we can give people the benefit of the doubt but when we start to notice that there are abusive language patterns and abusive emotional tendencies and there are abusive dynamics of you know people you know only being open to us when we give them what we want and not equally supporting our desires and you know just really um using relationships as a form of manipulation at that point when we can see that wow i'm in a really toxic relationship that's the moment the universe says the contract that brought you together is complete and the only benefit for your soul will be walking away whether the other person is okay with it or not. Because you know, the tendency as energetically sensitive souls is we tend to be very codependent, which means we don't think it's a conscious uncoupling until the other person lets us go. And so then we're waiting for someone else's permission. Mm -hmm. And we're still playing out very subtle, abusive patterns. So just want to start out by saying if we're in a toxic relationship, 
all we're going to find out by staying longer is that time will show us that whatever unconsciousness is there is only going to repeat. So it's only going to be more of the same. So we never stay in relationships under the illusion that abuse is working out some soul contract. As soon as there's any kind of pattern of abuse or manipulation, that's when we say, okay, I was brought into the situation perhaps to reclaim my power, to stand up for myself, and to make my feelings uh, matter and not put someone else's feelings as a priority over mine. So we never stay in relationships for that point. And, you know, on another level, a lot of us have had experiences of, of atrocious abuse from childhood of being abused, whether it's emotionally or physically or sexually. And what I say on this subject matter isn't to justify abuse because there's no justification for abuse. But I can just tell you energetically what I always see. And what I see is that the abuse that we have experienced in childhood is actually allowing us to experience in the first person point of view the abuse that lingers in our ancestry, that as we take the time to be the most evolved character in our entire lineage, we actually heal in ourself what is clearing out of an entire lineage unresolved abuse. And when people hear that, they think, God, I incarnated and I had an abusive experience just to clear it for an entire lineage. <laughs> now we're starting to tap into the truly selfless nature of the soul, mm -hmm. that the soul is so radically selfless, it would rather come into a lifetime, experience abuse, knowing it has the potential to clear that pattern out of an entire lineage, just for the satisfaction of knowing that no future incarnation of that lineage will be abused again. And it's, it's a lot to take in, but if we're going to really step into healing the abuse of the collective, which means praying for the healing of the victims as well as the predators, if we're really going to step into the light, it doesn't, what I'm saying doesn't make abuse okay. It just helps us understand that there is a deeper healing that is occurring for the planet, and we are all playing very specific roles. Even when people say to me, did I choose this? If you, and most people don't remember choosing this, so we can't go there because that's an assumption. What I say in a very empowering way is don't think of it like you chose this. Think of it as you were chosen for this mission. And there are many courageous souls on this planet that are doing so much to clear child abuse, that are clearing out so many different abuse patterns. And, we are, and what we are clearing out of ourself is equally clearing out of the collective. And as light workers, we are coming out of some very dark, atrocious times. We are shining our light. We are clearing our lineages. And we are creating an infrastructure of a 5D reality so that our future in this lifetime and for many generations to come don't have to involve atrocities such as human sex trafficking and child abuse and otherwise. So we're creating a new vibration on this planet to where beings can be born in the light and just evolve into higher frequencies of light instead of having to be born of the unconscious darkness and then find their way back to the light. Wow. That was like one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. Honestly, like ever. Thank Thinking of um, when you said that's how, that is how selfless the soul's evolution is, is that yeah. it's coming into this universe, it's coming into this world to clear this mm -hmm. kind of abuse so that no one coming after in that lineage ever has to experience it again. 
Yeah. Whoa. Wow. And that's, I've thought about this before, but I've never put it into these words of, um, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of women with, with, um, body image issues and that one of the biggest motives for a lot of women when they come to me is that they don't want to pass it on to their daughter. They don't want to pass on their body image concerns or their eating disorder, their, their body abuse that their mother had and their grandmother had, and everyone's obsessed with their body and perfection and beauty. And they don't want to pass that on to their daughter. So they're saying, okay, I will do this work. I will invest the money to have, have a coach. I will invest the time to slow down. I will, Mm -hmm. I will experience and endure all this pain of just simply being with my body and learning to maybe even love it one day so my daughter doesn't have to grow up to feel the same way. And this is experienced in so many different things, of course, not just body image, but like we've just shared abuse and sexual abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, and and learning um, distinction between what is mine and what was passed down to me. That's mm-hmm. um, That is a, a huge, huge process of experiencing th- the, the awareness around, is this my soul's evolution in a new way that I'm, I'm growing into? Is this really my belief around my body? Is this really my belief around loving other people and my belief around relationships? Or is this what I was taught? Is this what has been passed down to me? And in order to get to that place where we can really look and differentiate, mm-hmm. um, it takes slowing down. It takes turning off going off and, and stopping the doing <laughs> mode all the time and really just being. What? And that also means feeling a lot more because when you're not constantly going around filling your time with activities and friends and people and relationships and addictions and all these different things that distract us and you're right. actually just sitting right. down and feeling, a lot will come up. Well, it will. And what's interesting is to make a clear distinction that everything positive that we feel is of our soul. Everything negative that we feel has been passed down from our conditioning. The only thing that's ours in our conditioning is how often or how deeply we defend these inherited qualities as if it's ours. So imagine how, imagine how stifling it is for the energy that's been passed down from other generations and ancestry that you carry or we carry in our body. Now, as soon as we inherit some energy that's not ours, the energy, like a letter that's been sent to the right home but it just got bought by a different person so you know like like a like a letter that has been sent to the wrong place is always trying to find itself back to where it was sent the energy within us that we carry that doesn't belong to us is always trying to leave but every time it tries to leave we have an opportunity to either hold space and let it pass or to say no that's mine So imagine how weird it is in a spiritual journey where you have energy of conditioning or beliefs trying to run out of your energy field and jump out of your mind and go home and you grab it and you go, no, that's that's mine to spiritually fix. That's mine to spiritually work on. And we literally defend our conditioning against its natural tendency to return home and leave us because we say, nope, this is mine, I'm gonna crack the code, and I'm gonna call that self-growth. Isn't that an ironic situation that we are so hell-bent on doing the work that we are trying to better ourselves by identifying with the things that are trying to get away from us and go home, but we're making it our problem to fix, which is why we rarely find the solutions. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
Wow. Yes. This is amazing. I'm thinking of like, I'm just thinking of my, my current self growth ongoings. And I'm like, what if I took that approach of just letting it go? Right. Like, would it be gone? Would it be clearing? Would it be cleared by now? Or am I holding on to it because I'm attached to the story that this is, this is my job right now. My job is mm-hmm. to grow through this rather than it's actually ready to just pass into clear. And it's me that's blocking it from going home. Total mind shift. Whoa. Total mind shift. And the idea of, and here's the, here's the big one people have to prepare themselves for. If I could let go, you know, when I have conversations, what would I talk about aside from my growth? And so I think we have to actually, what's really healthy and therapeutic is, and this is why I started talking to my family about just focusing on what people are excited about. So like, okay, in my current incarnation, I'm a very popular teacher. I get a lot of attention. I, I, I'm humbled enough to say I get recognized on the street nearly every single day. Grocery store, everywhere I go, if someone looks at me for longer than three seconds, they've seen a video. And it happens literally every single day. And I walk, I'm walking, walking somewhere like yesterday, I was walking out of the grocery store and this woman stopped and was burst into tears and gave me a hug. Mm. And it's beautiful and I love it. And it's, it's, it's a part of the role I play. And I, and I, I, I just, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. But when I was going to my family functions, I realized that my family was the universe dressed up as my family testing me and helping me become a master. So what I started doing was I created this little social experiment. And I do a lot of social experiments, and then they become teachings. And my social experiment was I will not talk about my job unless someone asks me a direct question, and I will not talk about spirituality unless someone asks me a direct spiritual question. And aside from that, I will spend time being interested in their life and their passions and when they ask me about my passions, I talk about the music I listen to. I talk about documentaries I'm interested in. I talk about the creative writing I'm doing on the side. And I talk about anything else other than my job or spirituality because my life is dedicated to both of those things. And I found that that process helped me to become a very well-rounded communicator to where if someone sees me and we need to have a deep spiritual discourse, I can go there at the drop of a dime but I don't lead with it. I don't, I don't need to talk to someone about their chakras. I don't need to talk to someone about ascension. I could literally sit on a plane and I've done this and talk to someone for two and a half hours and they will have no idea who I am other than I'm that funny, really polite guy. Mm. And that for me is one of the greatest forms of success because in my career and what I do, the pitfall, the potential is that I could get so wrapped up in how people see me that I walk around and I need to be that guy all the time. The truth is one of my greatest successes is that I'm so integrated in who I am, meaning the energy is always radiating through me. People can feel that or they don't feel that, but I don't need to always be that guy. I don't always need to be seen. I I'm, I'm, I'm just as much of an evolved soul as I am a human being. And the fact that those things are so integrated means I can just talk about everyday life and I'm still transmitting the same energy for those who can only receive it under those circumstances. Oh, I'm so glad. So glad you brought this up. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's interesting. I, before I was even um, doing much of my work, I, I so it's, 
I so desperately wanted to be famous. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be known. Yeah. I wanted yeah. everyone when they saw me enter a yoga class to be like, there's man and moon. And like, just was crazy about this idea. And I, I had such a, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I would call it my ego. I had yeah. such a presence of my ego needing to be seen in a certain way that I oh, yeah. would walk with this like airy fairy snootiness being like, you don't even know who I am. I know all this stuff. If only you knew, talk to me, come over. I dare you to talk to me so I can tell you all these things that I know. And I was so obsessed and wrapped around sharing my knowledge and coaching and teaching um, without it really being asked, just so people knew. So they knew who mm. I was. <laughs> and that became very exhausting very quickly. And yeah. I let go of that. And I, I can, I can so agree and, and relate with this, with this way of life of becoming more well-rounded and having these interests, music, movies, documentaries, mm -hmm. concerts, just the simple connection of being with another person and asking how their day is and responding mm -hmm. to their day rather than your day in your job. And 100%. for a lot of beginning business owners, that's a, I think this is a, a really, really, really big, important concept for them to, to lean into and to be in as much as possible from the start, because it certainly does make your life way more connection rich because it's not about you and you needing to feed that ego and that identity that you're right. so desperately hoping you have and people know, right. and rather just being in the moment, being present. And, and that's truly serving other people is being able to connect with them, not through you and your purpose, but through the, the mutual experience that you're having right then and there. So I'm going to touch upon a few different things that's going to make this really, really funny. So, and I can say this just out of love to myself, but in, you know, I've been teaching for 13 years, the first year and a half of my career, I did on the inside exactly what you just described. So I did that too. See, we all pass through from ego to the spiritual ego and our blessing, our, the blessing and grace of our journey is how fast am I meant to work through that spiritual ego? Because God bless people that have to play out that spiritual ego, not only for years upon years upon years, but if they have to do it in a public sector, that is like, that is the, that is a very, very interesting journey. So I give compassion to, you know, all levels of spiritual ego. And when you come into this industry, everyone passes through the spiritual ego. The question is, how quickly do you make your way through it? I was blessed to say I worked through it very quickly. I saw it very quickly. Um, it horrified me. <laughs> and I moved through it very quickly. But in the first year of my life, our first year of my uh, spiritual career, I did exactly what you did because I had an intuition that I was meant to play a very public role. I had to live into that role. And I didn't, you know, I was just anxious to get to the good stuff. You know, being someone who is famous or recognizable or has some sort of celebrity influence, it's a very big responsibility. And so I use my status in a very positive way. Uh, I use it as a way of influencing in a very conscious way. Um, so in the first uh, year of my career as a, as, a, as a healer, and I come from a background, just so you know, when I grew up in Los Angeles where I was a child actor. And I was taught as a child actor that you're always looking for opportunities. In L.A., you can bump into anyone on the street and they know someone who knows someone who's in Hollywood and you're always looking for the break. So I learned how to sell myself really well from a young age. So when I came into the spiritual arena, it was 
you know, looking back, it was kind of hilarious. Like I remember I was walking around a body, mind, spirit expo and I was going to speak, but it was before I was well established. So I went to some booth and someone goes, Oh, how was your day? And I would say like, well, you know, just, you know, as someone who's about to go on stage and speak at this event, I'm feeling pretty good because I knew that was going to get them to go, oh, you're speaking. What do you do? <laughs> oh, since you're asking, like you, you print it and get all humble. And, you know, mm-hmm. at that stage of consciousness, we are all so innocent, but we're all so full of it at the same time. We're also <laughs> also deliciously full of crap. Right. And so. The funniest thing is, what's the best case scenario for a spiritual ego? You plant a seed, someone gets interested, they ask you what you do, oh my God, you blow their mind, they want to book a session with you. What's like the best case scenario? Your schedule is completely filled with people who want your time, everyone thinks you're a rock star, and then with a full-time schedule, your ego dreams about having all of that coming in, and now dreaming about wanting to go on vacation from it all. Mm, Yeah. So... It's hilarious that the ego's greatest dream is to be totally busy, to be wanted and adored, and then be able to go on vacation and then <laughs> and do the opposite of now I want to be free of the very thing I've created because the ego only knows back and forth. So I, I think it's just, again, with great humility and with great respect, we just learn to see through all of this. You know, when we want it the most, we're not ready for it. Thank God all my big opportunities are coming 13 years later once I really settled into myself mm. and now I can really enjoy this journey and I can enjoy all the opportunities and I can make the best of the opportunities and I'm so well you know, trained where I can get on stage and do what I do and it's just effortless and I can really enjoy this. But when I first started this, I wanted this so bad. And looking back as who I am now, I go, how hilarious. I thought I was so ready and I didn't know anything. You know, just just a very innocent little Pino- spiritual Pinocchio boy, just <laughs> you know what I mean, like just wanting it, but not even being ready. So I, every day, I thank the universe and I say thank you for bringing me this when I was ready. Thank you for not giving me what I wanted when I wasn't ready for it. I, every day, I say that because I'm now ready for it, and it's a joy, and I'm always in a position to give someone an amazing experience and I always have time for people and I'm always able to like bring forward who I really am and it's it's a great joy to do it like that so I totally hear what you're saying and I think it's awesome and um, you know all of us just want to fast forward to the end result and really it's it's really the journey that that makes everything worthwhile so I, I'm thankful I worked through the spiritual ego very quickly. Um, I'm very lucky to be able to say that. And I'm just very, very thankful that, you know, I can enjoy so much success in my life, but I don't need it. I'm just enjoying it. And there's so much more to my life. And just as a funny aside, some, someone asked me a question recently, and it was so funny. They came up to me at one of my events, and I was getting ready to fly back to Seattle. And they go, you're going to fly back to Seattle. And then tomorrow, you know, it's Monday. When you go home, what are you going to do? Do you ground your energy? Do you meditate? And I looked at them and I smiled and I said, I'm going to watch The Bachelor. Because <laughs> that's what I do. I'm going to watch The Bachelor. And they go, you watch that? I go, yeah. I do. I do. Because 
everyone who watches The Bachelor goes, this is ridiculous, and then asks themselves, why am I not turning it off? Because it's amazing. I applied to The Bachelor. Did you really? Like last week. <laughs> That's amazing. It's so funny you bring that up because I love this show too so much that I want to be on it. I'm like, why am I not on this show? And it's just so, like, I do find it very entertaining that you like it too. <laughs> and it's great because yeah. that's what life is really, it's about having it's about having happiness and joy and fun. And I don't think we are necessarily here to do to do, do, do any specific things. We're here to define what this happiness looks like for us. And I love that you bring yourself back down through entertainment and through pleasure and through fun and allowing yourself to just be human. Like, and that's what makes you, I think that's one of the things that makes you so funny and so, so relatable in, in certain ways. It's you are not trying to prove to be anyone you are being right. yourself and I can feel right. that and I think everyone else can feel that from you I love that I mean so let's have a funny little comparison imagine someone who goes into the hospital sometimes we talk to the older people in our families right they go into a hospital they go through a surgical procedure You're, you and you talk to this person at a family function you go hey so and so how are you and you get the play-by-play of well I went into the hospital they put me under anesthesia then they cut this out of my body and I've been recovering. I'm on this medication, right? You hear? And they're giving you this brutal play-by-play and all they talk about is the healing process of the surgical procedure. And some of us have been in that position go, oh my God, why am I listening to this? Like this is, like, I ask how you're doing and we're fixating on just this little thing. But at the same time in that analogy, how much more broader of horizons would our life be as if we weren't always talking about our spiritual process? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I woke up today and, you know, I noticed one of my chakras was not spinning as fast as the other ones. And, uh, you know, and I looked at my vision board and I, well, I, I don't know why that's been created. It's not on there. And then I, I mean, you know what I mean, like at a certain point, like, it's wonderful to have a spiritual process, but our spiritual process is for us. And I think one of the greatest moments of confusion is when we identify with our spiritual process, it becomes an extension of our ego. And then we tell people on a subconscious level that their acceptance of our spiritual process is how we are accepted by them. And so then if they're not into the spiritual conversation, oh, I don't resonate with them, or I was like, yes, they don't get me, they don't see me. Instead of life trying to teach us, like, have your spiritual process on the inside but lead with your humanity. Like there are days where I go through energetic upgrades and there are certain people that don't understand what that means. So I just say I'm having a low energy day and they totally get it. So it's just learning to speak through the language of emotions so we can really humanize and ground this spiritual experience. And when we're around people that can talk the lingo, it's, it's amazing to talk like that. No different than if you're a Star Wars fan, geeking out with other Star Wars fans. But you know when you're not in the presence of a Star Wars fan, you don't lead with that. So it's just learning the appropriate amount of balance so we can allow people to really step forward into their fullness by just taking an interest in who they are. And nine times out of 10, when we lead with being interested in other people, other people find a way to be interested in us. Mm, Yeah. And, and like living in, in Boulder, it's so easy for me to get <laughs> so caught up in thinking that if I say, 
oh, you know, I'm just having these really deep shifts in my ego right now. And um, I'm having to do a lot of Vedic meditation, doubling down on it, you know, it's just one of those days and <laughs> taking all my um, this and that. And, and yeah, it's like, I, I've, I feel like I've been living here for so long that my language has become like that all the time. And, and then I lose people and I lose people right. along the way and they don't want to act like they're lost. They want to act like they know what I'm talking about, but they're very much lost and they're very much discouraged. So it's an, it's such a beautiful reminder to speak in a way that's inclusive and it's humanity focused. Yeah, Finding totally. yourself, yeah, really interested in, in the person in front of you's life. So well, and I, well, and I think another reason for that, just to add this in is because I think that, you know, light workers inherently, you know, we all carry a sense of insecurity because it's, you know, the inferior ego that can actually hold the frequency of light as it wakes up. So I think what happens sometimes is that we just are wanting to be accepted by so many people that we don't want to come across as weak or less than. So we would rather talk about, yeah, you know, I'm going through a really interesting integration of my ego. Whereas if we talked emotionally, we would say, you know what, I woke up today and I'm just feeling really insecure about who I am. Yeah. You know, it, it, it takes a lot. It, it, it's amazing how much consciousness and courage it takes to actually be honest about how inferior, insecure, and unsupported we feel. Most people think if I come into consciousness, I'm not going to feel that way. The truth is when you come into consciousness, you actually have the courage to be honest about how you feel without being afraid of how it defines you to other people. Mm. God, yes. So true. Well, yeah. Matt... You are amazing, and I am so grateful to have you on the podcast today and for sharing all of your light, and I've got your beautiful book next to me. Everything is here to help you, so I will make sure I have the, the link to get this book on the show notes for this. Where else can people connect with you online? My brand new website is mattcon.org. You can go there on the events page, reserve seats for all of my upcoming group healing weekends and my retreats. Uh, you can sign up for my free newsletter and receive a free activation. And I'm excited to announce, you know, what, what has been a new addition is that in the upper right-hand corner of the website, it says live stream, and you can click on it. And if you can't join us in person for any of the events, you can actually attend all of them from the comfort of your own home and live stream them and receive the download of energy uh, in your own sacred space. So for all this information and to sign up for my free newsletter, please go to mattcon.org. And I will have those links on the show notes. This is episode 214. So if you go to mattymoon.com slash matt-con, you will find all of that there, plus any of the tidbits and golden nuggets that we shared today. Um, yeah, wow. I highly, highly encourage all of you to go to a event if you can, even if it means getting on a plane and going to the event. Yeah. Definitely do it. It is. It is so shifting. I cried. I laughed. I want to go again. So all of that will be there. Um, Matt, just one last time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor.